0: It is Mechanical Freak. We're here today. That was my YouTube impression. (laughs) Uh, And we're here today, both from Seattle and our satellite headquarters in New York, Brooklyn, New York, the Podcasters HQ coming at you live, kind of. Um, We are here with uh, Marina and we are going to be talking about the Philippines elections, getting a rundown on all of the interesting uh events that are i guess select events that have taken place and um yeah marina welcome to the show
1: hi thanks for having me back
0: welcome back one of our best friends of the show
1: <laughs>
2: many episodes in the past it's been a bit though um, yes director of girl beer which is now uh playing at some festivals right
1: yeah um we're doing a lot of that uh, i guess it's the virtual festival kind of run thing mm-hmm. um but it's doing all right. Not bad for some rookies. We got a couple, couple honorable mentions, couple awards and recognitions. You know, always a good day when I get a, I get an email that was like, "Hey, you're a semifinalist." Nice. Um, but yeah, <laughs> when that's
2: available that's awesome. uh, publicly, or when it's playing in Seattle, I'm sure we will let everybody know. Tight. Yeah, good to see you. So this place, uh, far away, called the Philippines.
1: Philippines. Uh,
2: you have a family connection there. You follow the politics sometimes. And uh, you were telling me uh, the other day about this uh, thing called an election that was happening. And the uh, details sounded wild. Just just absolutely wild. Um, can you break down, like, uh, you know, just the basics of, like, what what just happened over there?
1: Yes. So the Philippines just had their presidential election. They actually had a lot of elections happening all at once. It was kind of like... um the stars all aligning like even some of the student elections were happening at the same time for student government which kind of has never happened before um but every 6 years they hold the presidential election um the last president to be elected was rodrigo duterte back in 2016 um and i'm pretty sure everyone listening has heard a little bit about him and what he's been up to over there he's a friend um, of the
2: show yeah, friend, friend of the yeah. show uh yeah, yeah. Tr- uh sort of like you know, I, I think, you know, he's been called, like, a Trump-like figure over here, but, like, that doesn't really begin to describe, um, you know, if, if like, Trump had uh, made the rest of the history of the American drug war look like just, like, a fun hangout, uh, then that maybe starts to describe Duterte. De
1: yeah, he's like, uh, he's like Ronald Reagan on, like, crack with a license to kill, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he he's passed this this terror like law and this anti-drug war, which was basically a cover for him to let loose and kill anyone who he sees as a threat to the government. Anyone who speaks out as a government, they're automatically labeled as terrorists. What they do in the country is this thing that's called red tagging Mm -hmm. where you are basically it's like an intimidation tactic and they will put up posters of your face and your name and they like everywhere. They'll just plaster them everywhere, and they'll say things like "communist terrorists go home," or "this person supports the communist party." And um, that way, people around you know who, or like in the area, know who you are, know your face, and um, kind of just like get you to leave. Essentially, they want you to like be afraid that you're be- being watched.
2: Because it, because if they see you in the street, they'll they'll point at you and jeer uh, and say mean things to you. Is that what they'll do?
1: <laughs> Yeah. 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 Or they'll sell you out to the police or like the military at the very most, like the police will be able to see you on site, which is not good. And, or maybe, you know, some, just like civilian, other civilian will kill you. There's a recorded body count for this, um, this war on drugs. And I've seen a lot of different numbers um, of like recorded estimated all in like the thousands, tens of thousands of people. But that's also just not killing, like that's not also not, that's also not counting the people who are killing other people for suspected like drug trafficking and also like just trying to do well by the government and killing communists and terrorists named communists and terrorists. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty rough over there for radicals.
2: Yeah. Basic sounds like Duterte almost like in a, in a, in a literal way, like declared open season on killing anyone you don't like uh especially if it's uh you know a a communist leftist enemy of the state or a anyone involved in drugs including doing them or yeah. anyone you don't like or people in power don't like that you can um uh you know associate with those things uh pretty gruesome yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, He sounds like a bad guy. So, luckily, we had this election, though. So, no, no more Duterte, right?
1: Right. No, no more. We we we've Bidened him. He's out. Thank God. You know, pack it up, boys. You can vote
3: fascism
4: out. You can. You absolutely
1: can. (laughs) You can actually vote in fascism's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yes.
1: (laughs) So, the Philippines has had a very long history of corrupt, uh, violent, and also limp noodle presidents. Um, it's of the, uh, countries in Asia, it is the one that's buddy buddied with America, pretty hardcore. They're very influenced by American culture. Their military is prolific out there, um, because they need that space for American military needs that space, um, and positioning militarily against China and Russia. um, They have America has coddled the Filipino people for its own good, because um, (laughs) after occupation of the Japanese and the Filipino people declared their independence, the United States went, hold on, you guys can't do this by yourselves. Um, You need us and we're going to save you. And so the American presence has been over there for a very, very long time um, and has come. Completely been ruining that country, taking up land by its military bases, um, training the military, the uh, armed forces of the Philippines, the AFP in um, horrific military uh, practices. Um, the U.S. military has practiced a lot of its um, foreign exercises, military exercises over there. The Jakarta method was first uh, um, practiced over there and was refined over there. Um, and uh, I remember listening to this lecture and the the guy who was in charge of that general, I can't remember what his name was. Um, but after being very successful in the Philippines was feeling very good about himself, then went over to Vietnam and got his ass kicked. Um, so there's that. Uh, there is a very high praise of Western exceptionalism that is force fed to the people over there. Um, there's the famous General MacArthur, I will return, like famous mm. line. I think there's like a statue mm. of him on one of the beaches. I remember my comment telling <laughs> me.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean,
2: yeah. Yeah. Like we'll get to like We should get to like, yeah, the even farther back history of the Philippines being America. But like, um, yeah,
1: it's a long, convoluted history with American um, politics. Um, So they have, I guess, what the best way you could say is they have an election process that's similar to the United States. Um, It's kind of modeled up the United States. One thing that's very interesting is that you can uh, vote in a president and a vice president from different tickets. um, Actually, by the way.
3: Modeled off the original U.S. election system. I oh, mean, that's well, how it worked know. originally in the 19th century. I mean, they run the literal early like antebellum election system U.S.S. for reasons. Awesome. <laughs> I'm sure they came up with it on their own.
1: <laughs> yeah, love hearing the ante- the word antebellum when it comes to anything. You know, um, yeah, it, um, yeah. So you have that. Rodrigo, uh, his current, well, I guess like exiting vice president is this woman named Lenny Ribrito. Um, who the best way you can describe her as is, uh, as a Bernie Sanders figure, essentially. Um, the vice president is really, their powers are really con- restrained and constricted by the office and the des- description of the office. Uh, but she actually went out of her way and did a lot of really good things for the people. She had a lot of support from the poor farmers. She had a lot of support from the masses, the youth movement. She's a big LGBTQ, um, um, like figure, like the whole LGBT community really rallied behind her. Um, she's hip, right? Um, and she was the only one who passed the corruption test. They have this corruption test. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it's like a panel of corruption judges and they go back into your history. And she was the only one with zero corruption in her history. (laughs) Um, and, um,
2: this is just like, you know, this, the corruption test doesn't like
3: bar you from running. It's just like informational Correct. <laughs> <laughs> like the, what's the, what's the women's voters guide or whatever that you get when you like go to vote. Yep. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep.
1: Cause everybody else who had corruption on the record, they were still running. Um, there was also a ton of candidates just like here, but instead of it filtering down to just a binary choice, uh, like it does in the United States, the rest of them were all still on the ballot. So you had, um, Isco Moreno, who was the former mayor of, the, of Manila. Um, and you had a, a bunch of other, a bunch of other names that, they barely were anywhere in the running, so I didn't even bother to remember their names. Um, Isco Moreno, though, he was a little rat think. And um, he kind of pulled the um, Hillary Clinton Joe Biden thing, where Lenny was doing, was second in the polls. Down by a, a good majority, but was second and was gaining a lot of uh, a lot of votes very fast and a lot of popularity. And on Easter Sunday, Isco Marino had a panel with the other presidential candidates um, and just kind of came out and was like, she needs to withdraw. She it's not fair to the rest of us. That she's in second place, she's taking all the votes. It's not (laughs) fair to the Filipino people. How dare she? Yeah, that the rest of us are not getting a chance to run. She can't stand up. To um, she can't stand up. She's just a woman. Like, and also a couple of the other members on the panel were quite uh, sideswiped by these comments. And there's they were sitting there and they were like after the, the. the thing. They had to, they had to make a public statement. Like we didn't know he was going to say that. Um, <laughs> we're not really on board with that whole thing. Um, but I was running on the treadmill watching the news and I, I, I heard that and was like, Oh, this sounds pretty familiar. Huh? Mm. Everybody who has a combined total of approval rating that is less than second place is telling second place that they need to drop out cause it's not fair. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's so, kind of a caricature of the United States in a lot of ways.
2: So the but also but the daughter of Dutarte was running for president.
1: Vice president. Oh, oh yes. well, that's fine then.
2: You said yourself that the vice right. the office of vice president is severely constrained after all they had Lenny this Bernie Sanders figure in there and, you know, uh, wasn't was maybe very hip and cool but wasn't able to do much. So I hear you telling me that it's going to be okay because the the daughter, you know, trying to carry on the legacy the of the dynasty of the Dutartes, only running for vice president, didn't think she had the juice to go all the way. So this is the good news.
1: Right. She's
3: safely contained in the vice president. Safely presidential contained
1: level. in uh, you know, second-tier command. Um however, Lenny Robredo was unfortunately uh Lenny Roberto unfortunately lost to the son of the most infamous dictator in Philippine history, who is Ferdinand Marcos Sr. back in the 70s and 80s. Um, His son, Bongbong Marcos, is the declared winner of the Filipino presidential election. Ferdinand Ferdinand Bongbong, quote, 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 is his nickname, Marcos Jr. and Sarah Duterte are now the alleged president and vice president of the Philippines.
2: Hell yeah. Amazing. So <laughs> there, this is like a some, some kind of fucked up Game of Thrones like dynasty shit where the, these two dynasties of the the shittiest, most brutal uh, families in the history, of, you know, uh, in the last 50 years Like, uh, decided to to step up together and um, like combine their powers. Uh, Incredible! Um,
0: uh, Wait, 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 wait! But I I'm confused because I thought like an international superstar also ran for president too. The man, Uh, the myth, the legend, Manny, the uh, Pac Man Pacquiao. You
1: know he did he did okay. He always does okay. Yeah. Especially in his hometown. Um he there was like a there were a couple people that were dropping out and there was like questions of whether or not he was gonna drop out and he said that he was waiting from a sign from God to let him know if he should stay in the race or drop out. Um rumor has it that Manny Pacquiao is actually really dumb. <laughs> and what? like he huh? says right well dumb in the sense like okay possible? so he's he, a boxer he said all <laughs> of these like really problematic things about like gay people and all the kind of stuff um but that all of that is being informed by his like the people that he keeps around him. Like he doesn't actually like think that um, because there was also he grew up, he grew up like very impoverished. He grew up in like a very troubled area and he has come out and openly and said, yeah, if I hadn't started boxing, I probably would have joined the NPA, the National People's Army, which is the mm-hmm. most radical, like militant armed force uh, in opposition force in the Philippines. So it's like, Manny, what are is that? The are those
3: the, the communists? <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 OK.
3: Yeah. Hey, like we all contain multitudes. That's the
1: thing. right. Right. So, you know Similar I mean, to America
0: and how uh, the average uh, person and really not the average person either has like a completely incoherent set of political beliefs. Um, seems yeah. like that's uh translating a little bit with Elise Manipacchio in the Philippines. Right. Right.
1: Right. Like you go, guy. Keep going every year. You know what? Just just throw your hat in the ring. He so. got third.
0: I mean, he it got did, like yeah. six point eight percent of the vote
1: yeah he does he usually does a good job spoiler
0: he's a spoiler
4: yeah
1: <laughs> we need him in there to, to to split the house you know yeah
0: all those manny bros you know that that's what caused <laughs> the election for bong bong <laughs> so oh my gosh so okay so i
2: i think yeah like you say people are more familiar and we talked a bit about um the Duterte years and how you know we touched on how brutal they were okay his daughter is now the vice president Um, we, we really should get from you, um, you know, some context on, uh, some context on Marcos senior and the, you know, infamous years of that dictatorship, like maybe just to like breeze through this, you know, I'll I'll just touch briefly on the sort of American early history in the Philippines as briefly as possible, just to like set us up for talking about Marcos, uh. Basically, very much like Cuba, we're having a successful uh, revolution and rebellion against the Spanish Empire as it was like on its last legs um, falling apart. And America said, hey, yeah, we also uh, don't like Spanish colonialism and want to liberate places like Cuba and the Philippines. And uh, jumped jumped in the last minute as uh, Spain was getting its ass kicked around the globe uh, finished the job and then said, "Great, now these places belong to us." Um, and even more explicitly in the Philippines, uh, because no one in America cared. Uh, whereas, like the politics, the 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 uh, domestic politics was a little like more informed uh, on the subject of Cuba. So it's a little like it's a little more like bullshit in the uh, uh, the notions of sovereignty of Cuba um, from the beginning, but. In the Philippines was just like, nope, the Philippines is American territory now. And then uh, because there was this, you know, big uh, rebellion that was uh, fighting the Spanish successfully, they were real primed to say, fuck you, America, get the fuck out of here and fight a war. And America basically invented its notion of counterinsurgency, uh, fighting the Tagalog insurgency and uh was so committed to it that it actually worked by which i mean they just m- murdered uh the u.s marines just killed i don't know i don't even know what what you know what the the numbers are is it i think it's anywhere from like you know there's numbers that are like 200 000, but of course some people say it's a million you know yeah because there's of course starvation there's forced relocation concentration camps uh you know burning of villages and crops so mass relocation not not would not be incredible to say like a million people died of the whole thing, you know, all the starvation and relocation and then just, you know, murder and torture. Um, famously again, like for really developing uh, the, the, the U um, S military's like concepts of counterinsurgency that were later then uh, used in Vietnam and then everywhere else. And also those same things. Also a lot of concepts that found their way into American policing. Um, really one of the like nastiest, most brutal, uh, uh, periods of U S military activity, uh, is the Philippines in not what, uh, 1899 to 1902 or something. Um, yeah.
1: On the legal history books, like any history book that you read, will say that it lasted three years, but it never really ended.
2: Yeah. Right. Of course it
1: evolved. Um, yeah. it went from, as, as you know, a lot of the. The um assaults on c- civilizations and, and civilians have has evolved over time to be from outright brutalist like violence to economic and sanctions and that kind of war. And so, yeah, I've I've heard the actual number is in the millions as well. Mm.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it's extremely brutal, and it's mainly death through concentration camps, starvation, and concentration camps, which were all the rage for English and British colonies at the time. Um, Interestingly, the yeah, J. Edgar Hoover, he hires the guy who was the U.S. Army intelligence officer. They didn't call it intelligence back then, but the U.S. Uh, Army officer who was in charge of hunting down leftists and supposed radicals in the Philippines. Gets hired by J. Edgar Hoover in the 1920s and creates like the American sort of red, hunt, red squads uh, in the United States. So if you are a fan of ending the myth and been listening, you'll find that this Philippine occupation comes up again and again. <laughs> It's the gift that keeps on giving to the American empire. Is that Palmer himself? Hmm. No, Palmer is the attorney general. It's a guy you've never heard of. He's just a guy. but uh, He creates this system of cataloging radicals and stuff like that and keeping essentially he used a card database. But keeping a database of radicals to be rounded up in the cases of political emergencies or whatever. Um, uh, which is what ends up happening with the Palmer Raids and how they do it. They, he creates like the infrastructure for them to carry out the Palmer Raids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all all good stuff. Just a big thumbs up. I'm Biden outside Uvalde Elementary. Just giving my thumbs up to <laughs> the Philippine occupation. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty sad. I mean, the occupation, you know, the the war part of it lasts about 1902 but the most violent parts of the occupation are afterwards and the occupation mm-hmm. itself lasts until the japanese essentially throw the us out of the philippines yeah. uh, and then the us comes back and is like in 46 and it's just like time to start over <laughs> yeah,
4: that, that, <laughs> like, yeah well that's back the basics, really,
3: everybody. <laughs> that's
2: the real amazing part of it right is like yeah it's totally under under us military occupation and you know is a us territory until like all the other colonies in Uh, European colonies in the Pacific, the Japanese uh, or, you know, all the other white people colonies in the Pacific, the Japanese toss the white people out and, you know, on their ass, including America, including Douglas MacArthur, who uh, the biggest fucking buffoon in military U.S. military history, who who gets who makes himself famous out of saying I'm I'm coming back and like like that's this heroic thing as he's saying I'm leaving I'm fucking off out of here while I leave um a a, a bunch of uh, American military personnel American civilians and the (laughs) The Filipinos the 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 Philippine people to (laughs) just be again once again brutally murdered by
3: another colonial empire and then they're like. We're coming up with something here. MacArthur, I think, might be the first incantation of the modern Democratic Party, where all his L's are W's. Yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> all he does is lose, but you know, he loses in the right way, I guess. Is what yeah, right. and you know,
2: him. he was also like a uh, psychotic right-wing psycho, so that makes yeah. sense as well. Um, <laughs> but what's funny about yeah, what's funny about like as you said, Marina, they're like, no, we got to start over. Like we're back to basics here. They they did it in a different way than the than the. Uh, the rest of the European powers, because basically what what happened in World War Two was all the European colonial empires were shown up to be powerless by the the Japanese and the Germans. I mean, they were kicked out of their colonies around the world or put on the massively on the back foot, and then the war basically destroyed those countries and left them broke. Uh, and at the same time, the um, United States conveniently just was forced by circumstances to conquer the entire world. <laughs> yeah, and basically had it in their head to create a new world order where American capitalism colonized the globe. And so we're telling the European colonial powers, like, you got to, like, you know, basically you got to draw down your empires. You got to, like, you know, uh, give up this stuff, you know, do it. And so preemptively, rather than do exactly what, the colonial, the European colonial powers, which is like try to like go back to exactly normal um, in all of their colonies in the Philippines in 46. Right. The the Amer- America was like, oh, no, you're yeah, we're doing we're going to liberate the uh, now that we've kicked the Japanese out and things have settled down. The Philippines is going to be a sovereign nation and just like got this out right in the start so they could continue pressuring like the Europeans to do the same in their colonies because they wanted to control them commercially. And so they made the Philippines the model where like really in actual fact, it's completely controlled by America, by American military and commercial dominance where it's a puppet, you know, uh, satellite of America. But officially on paper, it's it's a sovereign country starting in 46.
1: Right. That's the long and short of it. I mean, you also have this massive, I guess, like, psychological colonization as well that happened. So you had pre-World War II Filipinos coming over to the United States, um, mainly the men, and, um, you know, they were taking up all the women, and, uh, you know, it was like a lot of racism. And so they got kicked out. There was like this huge repatriation. But then during World War II, there were a lot of Filipinos that fought alongside the United States. And so then what the United States did was they did this mass um what is that called when you get your citizenship? Oh, naturalization? Like yeah,
2: natural, naturalization. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. They had this mass, like, ceremony of all of these soldiers, and that was, like, the second wave of Filipino immigrants and, like, really kind of fused not only, like, the Filipino-American relationship, but also in the military sense. Mm. Um, so you have this, like, very strong, like, and deep-seated... Like Stockholm syndrome of a lot lot of Filipinos for, uh, like, through the Americanism and then, like, American military. And then, couple that with just, like, the already rampant, infectious Spanish um, implied or imposition of Catholicism. It's just like the the Philippines were ripe for American reaping. Like, Mm -hmm. it is the perfect Petri dish of you need us, you're never going to let us go, and we're going to take everything that you have
3: yeah and it's always had one of these sort of tense relations i mean just on the like regular people front tense relationships in the united states right given its status of the united states filipino migration to the united states is easier than say you know other countries in asia particularly like in the early 20th century when there's a lot of anti-asian sentiment in mm-hmm. like the in like washington state we had a like large amount of filipino immigration but it's not like people in the united states like you know parse those things right so you right. know easy to get here not so hard to get a job once you get here or be allowed to own a house or anything or whatever right and
1: well even like i digress there's like so the Philippines are a collection of islands and there's different yeah. like sections of the islands and people identify as different like oh you know i'm not filipino i'm, I'm visayan or I'm, I'm mindanao right um during the anti-filipino uh, movement here in the United States, there was a lot of things, you know, it was like, Oh, like if you're Filipino and you go to the movie theater, like you can't sit in the balcony, stuff like that. And like security guards and stuff would stop Filipinos and they'd be like, Hey, you can't sit there. And they'd say, well, I'm not Filipino. I'm Ilocano. And of course these dumbass security guards had no idea like what the, you know, like the parsing between that was. And so they'd be like, Oh, uh, uh, okay.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
2: You look Mexican to me, man. I don't know. <laughs> <Where is laughs> it's,
4: it,
3: you know, we, we recount the story at any of the myth, but I mean, famously, when the Battle of Manila Bay happens, which is essentially the like one battle that the U.S. like defeats the Spanish and the Philippines, when that happens and President McKinley gets news of it, he asked somebody to show him on the map where the Philippines are. So it's like there wasn't like an intense cultural knowledge of uh, right. the Philippines or anything like that. And yeah, so when Filipinos got here, people were just like, "Well, it's just another Asian, like you know," and yeah. all the same racism applies and whatnot. Um, and so it's a complicated relationship, I think.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Huh. Um, and when you have those forces, the, the, you know, the militant forces, the anti-imperialist forces, um, most notably the Hukbalahap, um, who were the guerrilla forces in, uh, insurgency against the Japanese army. Um, once the Japanese were defeated, um, the Hukbalahap's turned against the Americans and they're like, okay, you also need to leave. And the United States was like, wait, stop, what? No. <laughs> and they were, you know, they had that, um, the, the communist sentiments and the um, self-determination and all that kind of stuff, which is, of course, very dangerous to the United States immediately following World War II, going into the Cold War. Um, mm-hmm. So the any, any communist movement, any guerrilla movement was immediately um, propagandized as being contrarian to a flourishing Filipino culture.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is similar to other countries in Asia under Japanese occupation, right? So like in China, obviously, and Vietnam, famously, right? Korea, uh, yeah, Korea, right. right? You have these, uh, you know, anti-colonial forces that are not necessarily super thrilled at the presence of Americans, you know. Uh, th- the often new actually
2: colonial power communists,
3: yeah, and uh, yeah, and in the in the Philippines, right? So they, you know, they have this resistance against American forces, the U.S. Uh, diverts troops from actually the you know, occupation of Japan down to the Philippines to put some of these rebellions down. Uh, and it, I mean, this is like the familiar Cold War story. The U.S. invests in the Filipino military, meaning that they infest it with American yeah. advisors and <laughs> weapons and money and things like that. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you can make whatever political decisions you want. By the way, we control the entire military and we're forming death squads over here, so just choose wisely,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom of choice in a nutshell.
4: You gotta right. love it.
3: <laughs> and, it oh,
2: yeah. and and that they were able to pull that off um successfully in this case, you know, is why it turns out different like buy off successfully and get like a power structure in the Philippines to say, yeah, we're we're gonna control this whole chain of islands and we're going to keep the communists out of power has to do with why the united states was like oh yeah you're an independent nation we don't need to like officially be military occupying you for the next 50 years uh just on the sly unlike uh say south korea you know yeah yeah
0: right.
3: so but yeah so, how do we get from 46 then to, I believe this is what, 65 or so when Ferdinand Marcos comes in? And it, yeah. do we, what do we know about this Marcos character uh, other well, than his wife loves shoes? Well, oh my God. This uh, is an old person <laughs> reference, by the way.
1: My, so, my grandpa, uh, I'm third generation Filipino American. I'm exactly what my great grandpa's wanted our family to be, which is like, don't speak Tagalog, and I look like a mutt. Um, and, uh, you know, um, good for him. They, good for them. They, they achieved their dreams. Both of my great grandpas from the Philippines. They're both from Luzon. Um, but my, my grandpa would get Filipinas magazine, and I always remember him being like, "And her shoes! <laughs> 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 oh my god!" And then, and also, it was uh, he would talk about. I guess she had like eighty bras or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was just mind boggling to my grandpa. Like both my grandparents. Like my my grandma picked tomatoes in a field in the town next to Delano. Delano, like when mm-hmm. Cesar Chavez came in, and my 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 grandpa like lived in the back of a barbershop on skid row in Los Angeles. Like that's where they come from. So the idea of someone having 80 of anything was just like out of this world. Right. So the shoe, Oh my God, I, lo- I love it. I know shoes like every time. Um, but uh, yeah, so you have, you know, time goes on. We can jump forward to Marcos for name. Marcos gets, uh, um, gets uh, elected as the president. And he had a lot of promise uh, at the beginning. Um, But then, you know, lo and behold, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, You know, there was like this very big, like he was the people's choice, obviously, he's the president. Um, And Imelda, his wife, was this beauty queen. They were just like this pinnacle of like Philippine excellence. Like, oh my God, here we have, we have beauty, we have grace, we have like, you know, a good head on our shoulders. And he was like Um, a
2: PMC lib, basically. Yeah. Right. He's a yeah. lawyer. just so yeah. like a Manila professional, like a, a top uh, Manila
3: professional guy. Yeah, right? he made I, it. Greg, I think what you're trying to say, he's the most qualified person yeah, exa- for the job. <laughs>
4: yeah. He's got yeah, the exactly. credentials
0: to do the hard work uh-huh. needed.
4: he was <laughs> exactly. He
2: was uh, like,
3: yeah, something like the Hillary Clinton or the Pete Buttigieg of the Philippines in the 60s. <laughs> but, he, of, but he made it. And kind of a funny side note, too. He was also the one that was willing to uh, sign on to the U.S. war in Vietnam. But the U.S. was, like, so desperate to get, like, an Asian partner in this that by sign-on, what it meant that he was willing to send 100% at U.S. expense 2,000 contractors to Vietnam to go do, like, engineering contracting, right? But the U.S. was just so For hot. big money, get, no doubt. Yeah, the U.S. was just so hot to get this, like, PR, you know, victory. <laughs> they were just like, all right, <laughs> marcus guy we'll <laughs> oh yeah off.
1: <laughs> number one number one guy
3: Mister. We so can marcus. write on coalition of the willing philippines uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, like, see they agree with us
4: yeah basically yeah that's it
1: <laughs> if we have asians agreeing with us then it must be okay in listen to
0: filipino voices Right. Uh, (laughs) God. Um,
1: Okay. So we got Marcos, right. And he essentially the best way I could put it is that he sells the Philippines to the United States. There's this like really depressing, like mantra, which is like the Filipino, the Philippines are the richest is the richest country with the poorest people. There's so many resources in the Philippines that are just, um, like oh like not even just agriculture but also like minerals and then you have like labor power also um and something you, you have the capitalist trade and the you know the, what is it the free free trade or whatever global trade network so the effects of stuff like that is of the rice that the Filipinos grow goes elsewhere, even though like they can't sustain themselves, like all their labor power goes overseas. And you're talking about, you know, the airplanes, and it's easier for Filipinos to go to other countries. There's actually separate lines in the airports for if you're uh, overseas Filipino worker, it's like a fast track Mm -hmm. like line essentially, mm. so you can get in and out a lot faster because, you know, other countries need Filipino labor. Um, yes, yeah, it's,
3: it's one of the major exports of the country. You yeah. know, domestic labor, nurses, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, um, and the reason why that is is because Marcos's dealings with the United States essentially turned, it got the country into an insane amount of debt while making him, Obs- obscenely rich. He embezzled billions, um, while in power, um, while people were just, you know, destitute in the streets. Um, and so to make up from that, people are having to go overseas to sell their labor, um, for the American dollar and send that home. Um, and the American dollar goes a lot farther than the Philippine peso, mm-hmm. like surprise, surprise. Um, and so you have, just this like massive also like brain drain not only like of labor for like in labor power but you also have like a lot of people who are getting their degrees and then coming over to the united states and then all of that work is being done here instead of over there um which is really tough and not to say that a lot of people who come over from the philippines immediately are just you know they take their education that they got over there and then come to the united states and are you know already ceo or something like that a lot of the times they have to kind of start over too which is, Mm -hmm. you know, classic.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Marcos. Okay. So you mentioned, um, Marcos, you know, embezzled, uh, stole, uh, pilfered billions of dollars just into his own pocket, um, through all, you know, all kinds of inventive new ways to do, uh, flagrant corruption in public at the highest levels. Um, was he a nice guy besides that? Like, uh, <laughs> I, that sounds pretty bad, you know, you know, stealing $10 billion and stuffing it in your own pocket and just spending it lavishly while people starve. Sounds pretty bad. Is that the worst of his crimes? Is that the vibe I'm getting here?
1: Well, you know, he threw amazing parties is what mm-hmm. people used to say, right? Um, the vibes the Gatsby-like were good. Gatsby-like
3: character. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like, even worse than Gatsby, like, you know, Louis the, you know, Louis the, which one is Gatsby? I always forget. Oh, that's Re- 14. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the su- or the yeah. There you go. The fourteenth. I always forget which one is the one.
3: It's okay. You do yeah. not need to know French history on this podcast. Yeah, that's <laughs> a promise for the <laughs> anti-French <laughs> furniture. <laughs> Maurice Louis, was a furniture connoisseur <laughs> yeah. like the Sun King.
1: I only know him because the woman that he was with. You know. There you go. Um, yeah, in that sense. Uh, but because Marcos was just such an American puppet, obviously any left-wing politics were a massive threat. Um, So Marcos in September of, what's 50 years from? 1972 um, declared martial law in the Philippines to combat the rising tide of communist uh, terror that was happening in the Philippines of people who were like, hey, this guy in power is taking everything from you and we need to band together and stop that. And so obviously that was a huge threat. Anything that is read the United States immediately is just like, no, fuck that. We're going to bring you everything that we have to help stop this. We're going to support you in this. Um, So CIA backed, you know, operations and COINTELPRO over there to um, suppress the uh, leftist movement uh, over there. Yeah. The and my understanding
2: is he was also combating the rising tide of the ending of his last uh, – his second presidential term as well.
1: Oh, yeah. He was doing everything that he could to stay in power because he knew that he was already um, like in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he, was the, that
2: because – was it was it constitutionally limited to two six-year terms or was it that he just didn't think he could – wasn't sure he could win a third term?
1: You know, I actually – so, so
2: wait, He later ran for a third term, right? Like way later but like maybe like by then they had already changed the constitution,
4: right? Well
1: – Yeah, because now you can only run for one six-year term. That's Mm -hmm. why Duterte, that's why Rodrigo can't be president again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I actually, you know, I don't know. That's okay. I have to Um, to find out.
2: But either way, he didn't want to, he he was, his term was up and whether he was limited or he couldn't run, he decided to do, uh, declare martial law, which is interesting. Like, do you know, do you have a sense of, is it? Was martial law is this like a constitutional provision? Like in some constitutions, like there's you know, the an emergency clause that you can declare a
3: state of emergency, like Yeah, you know. he
1: invoked it underneath um
3: <laughs> under the right to fight to party.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like from what I understand, it was kind of like um George Bush like W declaring war. He kind of just mm-hmm. did it.
2: Yeah. So yeah. so not yeah. not necessarily I mean, that's I guess you wouldn't um yeah, that makes sense because you wouldn't call it probably um, uh, the need, you know, the martial law provision in your constitution. You you call it something cute like uh, the emergency clause that allows you to suspend yeah. the entire document in, in the case of emergency. Like, I mean, a lot of countries do have that. You know, I mean, like Egypt was under, you know, an emergency uh, state of emergency for exactly many years. Um. So but even more blatant, yeah. like whether the Constitution had like a state of emergency provision and it was just like Le- leaped over into full martial law he just is like yeah the military's in control now um because mm. the commies i guess
4: yeah yeah
3: well it's it's worth noting i mean you talk about this internal repression of the left i mean this the the philippines since 46 have been crawling with cia right you know yeah. everywhere like famously the the cia agent in charge of the philippines this guy edward lansdale then goes to vietnam and is like uh at, at uh, dm's handler so good job on that yeah that
1: <laughs> DM is the, know lansdale <laughs> that's the name of the guy yeah. from um the jakarta that came over yeah who got his ass yeah
3: aspect. yeah when lansdale showed up dm should have bought a bulletproof vest by the way but
4: um <laughs> but, but mistake well, his that part. tells you
2: how it <laughs> tells you how like good at being like an american puppet anti-communist corrupt dictator marcos was is that like he survived all those. He years. survived, right? Like uh, he, you know, like uh, the, the America, you know, he stayed in power uh, for a long time, and neither his own people nor America uh, got him out of there for a long time. Like, right. like they turned on uh, mm-hmm. DM, you know.
3: Well, it's yeah. worth bringing up a thing that we brought up a little bit earlier too, which is that when Marcus declares martial law, right, he's essentially elevating the military to the primary political actor in the Philippines, the military which the U.S. has trained, armed as stocked Mm -hmm. full of american advisors and things like that committed to american cooperation and
2: anti-communism
3: you know so this is uh essentially a reassertion of american power in the philippines in the early 70s right uh and of course you know uh the the world is so shocked by this uh marcos is immediately told to leave right an international coalition is formed right (laughs) to tell marcos you have to go sir (laughs) <laughs> Not on our yeah. watch. So, so what happens with marcus in the in the 70s right so he he comes in he gets a he actually gets like a fresh batch of imf loans he you know he, he's yeah. looking good now these declared martial law. So what what happens
1: oh him? yeah he, he sells them out and so a, a main focus is what Marcos does is he really kind of wreaks havoc on the the muslims in mindanao um there's this it's called the Jabita massacre down there in mindanao um and there was a really big influx of Americans and Christians down there in Mindanao. Uh, prior to that, from it, it's not again the Philippines being a character of the United States, it wasn't called the Homestead Act. It was called the Homestead something else. It wasn't like an mm-hmm. official act, but basically yeah. it was a land grab down in in Mindanao. Um, and so um, when Marcos targeted uh, Mindanao with um, these extrajudicial killings and like or military operations and stuff like that um mm-hmm. and 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 mindanao actually i want to say supplies 60% if i remember correctly of the exports of the entire country um uh, mindanao <laughs> is where you have the dole plantations it's mm-hmm. where you have like a lot of those big agricultural things down there um and it's that's like, because
2: it, mindanao is that the name of the island is that the biggest island in the south
1: it's the south yeah it's the southern the big region. southern one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that's uh that's where duterte is from is from a city there
4: mm-hmm.
1: um davao and um and it's it, it's it has notoriety for being a very, very dangerous area. Um, so you have this really, really strong kind of push for self-determination uh, in Mindanao that has been there since the time of Marcos and martial law. Um, yeah, so Marcos really really kind of took it out of, uh, out of Mindanao's ass there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and with everything that he sold the, uh, the Philippines out towards, uh, let me see, he obviously, he had the uprising of also, not only the communists, but also like the lib, like the centrist lib kind of movement it as well. And the most prominent member of that was uh, Benino Aquino, um, who was, I want to say he was like kind of like the Hillary Biden. Like he had a lot of promise, all that kind of stuff, you know, going to be like the golden boy of like the Democrats. Um, until Marcos had him assassinated on the tarmac at the airport. <laughs> oh, just shit. Like, like just a gun to the head. Just somebody walked right up and just like murked him I right there.
2: Actually, he came back from America, right? He came
1: back. Yeah, he came back from America. Just so straight was
2: what had fled at some point. Yeah, and decided to come back to run or something or to <laughs> call for elections, right? What when, when when it what year is this? He was
1: running. Uh, I can't remember what year that he got, I it's can't early remember. Early 80s, the year, right? Yeah, um, basically, that was the shift, that was the downturn of Marcos's. Um, reign kind of like was that moment is the pivotal pivotal moment um because Benino was like the front runner he was you know gonna come in and, and save everyone and when Marcos did that even a, like a lot of his supporters too were like ooh homeboy like you are <laughs> you are canceled my guy um so what happened then was uh Benino's wife Corazon Cory Aquino uh ran in his stead and it was like this big like kind of redemption avenging story you know like I'm doing this for my husband and everybody remember my husband who was brutally murdered um and she was the Hillary Clinton of the Philippines um but you did have also like the massive movement of the people too um which you know can't neglect to mention uh the EDSA movement so EDSA is like this the main drag in Manila it's like their huge main street and there there was like millions of people on the street and they were at uh the doors of malacañang which is the palace where uh the the president lives and they were at the Marcus's doorstep and they were they're 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 they uh, banging on the door there they were going to get in uh, one way or another mm-hmm. and the united states flew their boy out uh they had they chartered like a like a plane or like mm-hmm. a private military plane and I think the they Marcus's- went
2: on, out on
3: uh uh army helicopters to an
1: aircraft yeah. carrier like yeah. a bunch of them The
3: CIA just pushed some of the heroin over and said, come on on our plane. (laughs) (laughs) They
1: they grabbed literally everything they could and just fled like billions of dollars of jewels and stuff like that. The people got in to the palace and... There's like footage of their faces when they actually like these, you know, like these, these people of nothing who had nothing and they're mm-hmm. being told that they can't be given anything. They can't be told. They're being told that there's nothing that they can do or that help is coming. And like this is how it's supposed to be. And again, and they see the room with all of Imelda's shoes, like thousands of shoes and then like just gold plated everything. And mm-hmm. they're they're just like, are you fucking kidding us?
3: Yeah, French um, revolutionary vibes, there. Exactly, one hundred percent. Like,
2: and they're not even really seeing it. I mean, French in the French Revolution, they were, you know, had been uh, generations of uh, uh, useful splendor, right? Where they were, uh, you know, it was all on credit, and they were going. The crown was going broke, but they were spending it on these palaces and parties. In the Philippines, they had the palace and the party, but that was just like the tip of the iceberg because they had fucking stolen billions in cash, some of which was in banks in the Philippines and which was therefore like recovered like a few billion. But most of it was in banks in fucking America. So like they just, the family still has that <laughs> because they went to America, Uh right? And like uh basically, right, Reagan, when it seemed clear, like it was going to get fucked up and they were going to lose. That's when America was like, okay, we can't back you. We're not going to like help you defend this so but hey here's a nice place in hawaii you can live
1: yep yeah we'll get you out but that's not, yeah. yeah and there's like it's still the this money is most of it is still missing quote unquote
4: yeah they still don't Bank know where it
1: is yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's in citibank it's in yeah. chase manhattan and, I, so, and again i mean i mean that's uh i mean this no, is very very familiar territory of what happens in, say, Haiti uh, mm-hmm. at the same time in the 80s when the Duvalier's are flown out by the CIA as there's mm-hmm. a giant uprising in Port-au-Prince stealing the Haitian national treasury on the way out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this, the, yeah, Iran in 79. I was about to like, say
0: Iran, yeah. yeah. This is a, a <laughs> yeah. common
3: theme that we're going to get for a lot of American colonies <laughs> about this time, right? You know, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so, like, but very cool stuff, yeah. Right. So, okay, we know, like, so shit turned
2: like, He assassinates the uh, the opposition leader, the people, you know, that's too much. Shit gets crazy. People start rising up. America says cut bait. Reagan literally calls him and says, get on, get on a helicopter, bring your shit. And they and he, you know, lives out his last years in like a palace in in Hawaii. Do we have a sense of like, again, massive repression over the previous, you know, 15 years or whatever it is, 20? I mean, really, like 20 years since he came to power. Of Muslims, communists, anyone he didn't like. Do we, is there like a, a death toll, like estimate or anything?
1: There, the numbers like they go from like thousands to like hundreds of thousands. Like there's, yeah. you, there's no way that you can actually. Same thing with Duterte. Like, there's in the and the Philippine American War. Like there's hmm. no way to actually know like the true number, but it's it's astronomical.
3: Mm-hmm. Sounds bad. Yeah. Sounds pretty bad. Yeah. So maybe maybe to bring us the present, Right. So Ferdinand Marcus, he gets run out of his palace in 86. Right. Mm-hmm. People go in. They see the shoes. They're pissed off. Right. He steals all this <laughs> money. They're not unaware that he stole all this money. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, they've lived through this police state that he's enacted in the Philippines that existed for over a decade. Uh, how do we get from that point to his son being elected president? Like, well, what changed? Why Why did people? Why are people also like, hey, you know, that. whatever. Let's was, give them a chance. Right. <laughs> give Bombong bon a chance.
1: There <laughs> is this fascinating thing that happens when liberals come into power instead of leftists following fascists.
4: <laughs> that is that
1: they don't do anything.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> Corey Corazon, uh, she wins. She wins the presidency. Um, and there was supposed to be this big uh land reform agrarian reform that was supposed to happen so a lot of these uh like plantations and farms they're supposed to be uh, like divvied out to the peasants Mm. and the everybody was supposed to get a certain amount um that didn't really happen um (laughs) you don't say right so it wasn't like (laughs) the libs uh, didn't do land reform my god i can't believe it
4: it. crazy
1: right (laughs) so it wasn't people demanding it did, did she know. promise
3: she would do it on day one, but then she was like, Oh, I got a senator here, it's just not gonna let me sorry guys. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, pre- pretty much was just like, you know what, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Uh,
3: parliamentarian doing this. <laughs> you should have liked to be Senate parliamentarian.
1: There was um <laughs> We're too busy just like celebrating that you know. Aren't you just happy? Aren't you just happy that Marcos isn't in power? Are you just happy you know? that, a,
3: that a woman's won. Yeah. I mean,
1: right? I you mean, know,
3: yeah. sexist guys.
1: There you, there you go. Misogynist
0: of you yeah. to like you know not be happy about that.
1: What? Right. And,
3: and, and, and it should be noted this land reform thing that you're saying that they were unable to deliver that Libs were unable to deliver in the end of the 20th century has been since 1899. The, like, primary demand of people in the Philippines. Like,
1: we're poor, please give us a place to grow our food.
3: (laughs) Yeah, very common, like, you know, third world sort of political demand. Uh, It should be noted that when the U.S. occupied the Philippines, uh, a a large contingent of southern officers uh, from the American South were in that occupational army. And the Filipino agricultural system got consolidated amongst large landholders and plantation-like estates, you know, and uh, essentially formed the basis of these ruling families that have just, you know, fucking sucked the life out of this country ever since. But, uh, yeah, oh, you know, yeah, it... it the roots, they all go back. It's, it's fascinating. It's good. But so the libs don't deliver. Right. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) in a big way, they do not deliver, you know, it's not like the NPA like hangs up their guns and they're like, we did it. Mm Y'all, you know, they're on the phone, you know, like Kamala, the Gus, of course we did it, Joe, you know, like (laughs) 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 none of that happened. None of that happened. The NPA is still there. You know, they are, they have been fighting ever since. Um, so you have, like, generations of just libs, limp, noodle, flaccid libs that just, mm-hmm. you know, skirt by, nothing super changes or gets any, America is still hardcore, a, a hardcore presence in there. The late stage capitalism just compounds upon itself. Mm-hmm. None of wow. these debts are ever paid off that, that Marcos um, got them into. They're still, in like, insanely in debt.
2: S- still in debt to the IMF. Still yeah. fighting communist guerrillas. No land reform. Also, no land they reform. failed to do, in a key way, what the libs in this country are about to fail to do, um, which is prevent the, the, the evil figures who, like, everyone agrees uh, is hated and reviled, prevent them from coming back, right? Because, like... Mm-hmm. And so they have, like, their... Um, their mansion and cinema are essentially the the Marcoses themselves because like <laughs> Ferdinand Marcos dies like a few, he like lives out his last like three or four years in Hawaii, but yeah. then short in the mid-90s, like the entire rest of the fucking family comes back, right? His wife and all his children all come back and run for office, basically, and become like <laughs> senators and shit. And so like yeah. they are so that that and you know, to a lib, you can see how there that yeah. would put the, i could just guess, I just guessing, I know nothing about the politics here, but like I can imagine, like, first of all, they allow that to happen instead of, like, barring them from entering the country or executing them on site when they land, you know, which, I mean, (laughs) would be a natural thing to do for these people who, like, murdered and stole millions uh, by squeezing them, you know, holding them at gunpoint for them to transfer the money back from their fucking American, British and Swiss accounts back to the Philippines. All things you could do that would be normal, natural things to do. Instead, they're like, well, I mean the law says like they can run and we can just, uh, I guess, let them which then in the mind of a lib, right? It's the rules. And then that, then I just guessing puts that is probably, you know, I can, I can see it being used as a political excuse. Like, look, we're up against these, uh, the, the forces of the, the old regime here, like that, you know, have power. So we can't do anything right. Like we have to appease uh, the right wing, the, you know, the people voting for the Marcoses or something. You can I can just see that being like part of the story, you know, of why we can't do anything. You got to vote for us nice. harder. You got, we can't really do anything until you vote for us so hard right. that the Marcoses aren't elected anymore, you know?
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't boo, vote!
2: As they, as they put up, you know, I mean, if it's anything like America, I can see them putting up like super right-wing psychos who call themselves like whatever party against the Marcoses and then lose, you know?
1: Just, yeah, <laughs> disappointment. Disappointment. And there's also corruption, surprise, surprise, also within, like, yeah. all of these Democratic candidates and presidents all the way through. Um, and this entire time, you have Marcos supporters, too, who are still there and are mad. And, like, there's this almost immediate campaign to sanitize the reputation of the Marcoses. Like, Imelda, mm-hmm. when she's in the United States, she just plays the freaking victim up. There's an interview... Mm-hmm. So there's an interview with her and she's in a limousine and she she says that she's like, I am destitute. And the reporter's <laughs> like, he like looks around and, as they're driving around inside the limousine and she's like, and he's like, This is destitute? Like, <laughs> yeah yeah she's just like yeah oh, I have to my see god. my driver
0: in the limit now like <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> the, the shade blocking so, the driver yeah. is not like tinted yeah.
3: enough for me well it's not and, so stretched that he's so far away that she can't <laughs> right, right
1: she can't be she can't be like stopping planes mid-flight you know like she used yeah. to um oh god well and then like there's even a story of their daughter um bong Bong's sister I guess like she had someone in her college thrown out a window because she didn't like something that he had said to her. Like, cool you know, stuff like, yeah, stuff like that. Cool stuff. Just um, murderous rich yeah. kids. Awesome. Yeah, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. There you go. Um,
3: I, and I think on the, on the sort of like lower end side of it too, right? I mean, the, the noose that's tightening around the Philippines regarding international debt, right? Is forcing just a massive outflow of labor in the eighties, nineties and going into yes. the two thousands. And I mean, that has an impact on a society, right? So yeah. just like, especially cause it's like almost exclusively female labor that's leaving the country. Oh and, yeah. And, you know, I mean, one, you're leaving men alone, which is always the worst possible scenario <laughs> <laughs> a country could be in. But I, I think that has like a psychic impact on everybody. To see.
2: And oh, doing yeah. the oh. austerity demanded by the IMF, yeah. you know,
3: it must feel apocalyptic in some places, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, you know, there's regions that still don't have running water. You know, it's yeah. for there's so much work that's done by the people there and by the people from there overseas. And it's just been stagnant. Like they have an insane amount of malls over there. There's an insane amount of like, you know, the consumerism over there, but it's still just an insanely poor country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you have those generations of disappointment of liberal disappointment, you know, and who are also simultaneously working to villainize and crush the leftist opposition yeah. um you know they're not Harder even just like
2: <laughs> they're pushing back against the rehabilitation of the marcos i'm guessing
1: yeah exactly um you have all the marcos supporters that are you know they're just like wow shit still sucks mm. remember remember when remember <laughs> when the Marcoses were here and things were good remember all of that stuff you know like they're essentially like Tsarist supporters mm. and then you have Duterte come coming up on the game in 2015, who I guess also had a very promising platform. Um, but he's just out of his, he's out of his mind. Mm -hmm. So then you have a dictator getting a, a a radical, I'm going to make change and fix this country. There's drug dealers everywhere. There's just like, it's a mess. It's dirty. We're fixing this. And I'm going to come in with the rule of law and an iron fist. And I'm going to change this. I'm tired of this. And everybody's like, yeah, we're tired of it too. Um, and the Bruce Harrell
2: he of the Philippines.
1: Yeah, he gets put into power, <laughs> and then you know you have just a maniac in office, and he mm-hmm. imposes this terror bill, and there's a lot of protests against it called the, it's they call it the junk terror bill, and like or junk the terror bill, and he's it's, it's just he's got his killing squads, he's got his mm-hmm. his death squads, they're they're call them salvagings and stuff like that, where they just go out and they murder people indiscriminately in the streets or targeted people or enemies of the state. Um, and he also had his little hand in, uh, yeah, in Mindanao as well with declaring martial law there With the COVID he declared martial law. Um, he was killing violators of, of quarantine, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's had his hand in, um, There's kind of like this, there's a transportation system over there that's called the jeepneys. And it's very like a very just kind of on and off kind of, like transportation system over there. Um, And it's, they were these refurbished Jeeps that were left by the American military, Um, kind of like long taxi cabs essentially. Um, But it's, they were having the same issue that taxi drivers here were having as well, um, where they were just suddenly like, they weren't able to make enough money and it was this big old strike and Duterte was trying to like wipe them out essentially. And so they had like this big old strike. And um, so the Duterte's, Came down on that as well, like breaking up those unions and um, so he's just he's not a good guy. Trump's best friend. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. you know, because but it sounds he, like
3: maybe he was like shaped a little bit by you said he would have grown up in Mindanao at the time when these like massive political repressions going you know, happening in Mindanao, like when the state's putting its foot down on fucking people there and um you know, I mean these are the kind of creatures that get created in these situations. Right?
1: Exactly, you know? exactly. And instead of instead of recognizing that it's the state that is doing mm. this and like, you know, the roots of it, he just sees the fallout of the liberals not doing anything. Yeah. And um, so he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do it. And he's committed tons of human rights violations, um, you know, with his, his body count is also up there like an insane amount. Um, and he is also trying to avoid... Um, he's also trying to avoid being called for his crimes as well. Mm-hmm. And so his best bet is to get pardoned by the president or like the administration. So, does he know is anybody he... in office now? Well, <laughs> now he does. His beautiful daughter, Sarah Duterte is now the vice president. Wow. And so, you know, when you had a situation when it was him and Lenny Robredo, who was kind of his check and balance, or, you know, mm-hmm. now you have two players on the same kind of the idea, same side of the ideology spectrum. And Bong Bongbong has the ability to pardon his father mm-hmm. for his crimes. And Duterte has the ability to pardon her father for her, crime mm-hmm. for his crimes. Um, and Duterte actually brought Marcos's body back over from the Philippines, which was a huge slap in the face. And he buried yeah. him in the cemetery that's like for heroes. Yeah. yeah um, so. And like that is when he started wash like the, the really big rehabilitation of the Marcos's um,
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, reputation started happening. It's like, you know, like Putin's a Tsarist and like mm-hmm. wants to bring back like the golden age of the Tsars and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And like hates the communists, and all that kind of stuff. Like that's what Rodrigo is for the Marcos's. Yeah.
3: In like mm-hmm. well, A little bit of quid pro quo. Right. You know, if, yeah, you know, if, yeah. 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 It's for sure. Trouble, right? his, yeah. It's
1: for sure. Also within yeah. his interests. Um, and I mean, Bong Bong's also like in, in trouble for a bunch of back taxes that he hasn't paid. Like he, he wasn't showing up to any of the debates. He wasn't showing up to like any of the things that he was, he was just like skipping class basically like the whole campaign. It was just 100% confident that he was going to win. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
2: maybe that brings us to the election itself. Um, right. Tell tell us a bit about how that went down
1: now that we've dissected the entire contextual history of the Philippines and how we, that's true historians. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) right. Like historical materialism, historical materialism. Um, so now we have these two who the inauguration is on June 30th. So they're the president elects, right? That's, that's the term for them. Um, they have an election that on in the Philippines, everybody in the country votes on the same day. You have one day, and everybody in the country has to vote. Um, no mail-in ballots, no like mm. any of that kind of stuff. No, no voting. an insane no system. At.
3: Where could they've gotten that from?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to show up, and you need to stand in line.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that's so that's an sh- insanely stupid way to run an election. That's what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who could have come Sounds up with legit. that?
1: Sounds legit. Yep, yeah, yeah. Se- <laughs> seems seems like the uh, yeah yeah that'll really work out there, Morty. Um, the um, This year, they were using these voting machines called the VCMs, electronic machines. I think that maybe that will sound familiar to some people here Mm -hmm. in the United States um, uh, that were supposed to be foolproof. (laughs) <laughs> they were—they're were being lauded. Really always supposed yeah. to be
2: foolproof. They were, they no, one being, no one builds uh, of voting machines. Yeah. Look, look—we yeah. we give it a 50-50 yeah. shot of being uh, acu- accurate. We'll
1: <laughs> give it a solid maybe. There was this whole system where you—you know—you like go in there, you vote, you feed your ballot in. Your ballot's supposed to be secure, like from tampering, all this kind of stuff. Um, and there was that. There is a very rampant tradition of vote buying in the Philippines, where these candidates spend millions on on buying votes, um, and it's just you know, people are used to it. And sometimes people don't have a choice. People kind of just Mm -hmm. take the benefits Some like at times, you know, before the voting, you'd have like military following you in and watching you vote, or, you know, you would take your receipt out and you would show the military guy and then he'd give you some money. Um, you know, there's back alley trading. It's, it's actually happens just also like right in line. Um, I was hearing that, there were sample ballots being handed out to people who were standing in line. And I was like, Oh, a sample ballot. Like this is what the ballot's going to look like. That's going to make it easier for when you go in and, you know, easier for you to read. Um, no, no, no. What they meant by sample ballot was that it was already filled out. It was <laughs> telling you, it was telling you who to vote for Like all the bubbles who you needed to fill out were already filled out. Right. So like, this I'm is here, who you vote what for. I'm
2: hearing being described here is, uh, politics, people committed yes. to gaining and staying in power, People yes. in this country could fucking learn from this shit. OK, like, yeah, when you when you want to stay in power, when your um, people in your party, your leaders are being like driven out of power and threatened with being charged with crimes, you make alliances with other people on your side and you you run the tables. You know, yeah, you buy votes you, like yeah. this is what the left needs in this country. We could learn from these people.
1: Right. Let's put some money out. Where's all our money?
3: <laughs> well, look, I mean, at least they got some money for their vote. What did they get for voting here, you know? Yeah, and I mean, well. like, sometimes it's, like,
1: it's kind of, like, you know, it's, like, a week to a couple weeks' worth of, of like, income. And these people, when yeah, you're please. not making anything, like, what else are you going to do? It's mm-hmm. Like, a quick 50 bucks. Not bad. Um, yeah, which yeah. over in the Philippines, 50 bucks is, like, two and a half thousand pesos.
2: Yeah, I'd sell my vote for 50 bucks, and that that's, yeah. like... Like, you know, um, one meal yeah. in
3: Seattle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah.
1: It, it, Don't yeah. get a cocktail.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. This is an open call to any Seattle politician who wants to buy all of our votes. Uh, $50 yeah. is the current going rate. We're willing to hear uh, other offers as well. But, yeah, but to be fair, Instead like, of the all Democracy our...
0: Voucher Program. We got the Democracy Purchase Program. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Yeah. But to be fair, like in America, you know, all of our elections happen. Um, from you know local to up to the top, like you have to vote in like seventeen different elections. So oh, I want one free election. It yeah. might be yeah. You you want to get paid for each? It's, they're they're getting a lot more for that fifty bucks in the Philippines, where like you're voting for everything from dog catcher up to president for
0: for that fifty bucks. So. Yeah, we would, yeah. like, bundle it in, like, a discounted, like, subscription yeah, service, I, like I a, think. I'll like, oh yeah, I'll give
3: a Costco rate right for doing the whole ballot.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it called I'll the economies
3: little. of scale if you've ever taken <laughs> economics 101. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, I mean, oh, you know, like, no. famously, I think it was in Marcus's second election. I mean, the Philippines are, like, Philippine politics are famously corrupt as many colonial mm-hmm. vassal. Mm-hmm states are and i think it was a second election where he literally just took the money out of the philippine treasury and just bought the votes with that right i mean like the, you know this is the, the corruption's like pretty open right as you know what have in malaysia like, yeah. too like yeah. yeah like literally like just looting treasury and like using that to purchase yeah, so, votes yeah. so people aren't right. like seeing this and being like oh my god can you believe what's happening right this is pretty open
4: Far for the
1: course yeah
3: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's
1: yeah.
2: called um uh, redistribution of wealth, guys. That's that's what I would
0: like to be <laughs> voting trickle for. I trickle down
1: love, economics. I would hey, love least, for the U.S. At least treasury the to be did
4: trickle down eventually. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's
0: what I'm saying. Uh, they got a better because, deal than us, if
2: you think about you know, it. They really Obama did. had actually redistributed the wealth, like he joked about. Um, you know, maybe he would have gotten uh, a third term. You know, maybe he could have <laughs> stayed. It. Maybe he could have stayed in power. Maybe um, the the white libs in the suburbs could have voted for him a third time, like they want.
3: So, so Bong Bong, he's pretty confident. He's, he's, he's paid the right people. He's, you know, he's created the correct sample ballot, right?
1: Right, you know? right. Yeah, he's they're ready. going in there. They're already popping champagne, like, the mm-hmm. day before, essentially. Um, so.
3: <sighs> so, so where's the left in all this? Like, <laughs> they're they they They're on the
1: ground. Do they, what do they yeah. do? They, you know, the typical leftist, like, Uh, You know, when we're out there door knocking for Bernie, they're out there like doing Zumba for Lenny at the rallies, you know, like (laughs) just forced to throw themselves behind the most the best choice, you know,
3: doing the high high hub stance.
1: Yeah, praying, (laughs) praying like like if Lenny wins, maybe we can like go to brunch just for like a day. Right. Before we pick it up, because Lenny, you know, like they know Lenny's not going to fix everything, obviously, like, you know, Mm -hmm. she's she's the democratic choice. Um, she's not like the leftist and, um, by any means, um, and her vice president, he was a good guy. He was, he was a radical organizer at like the university of the Philippines back when he was a kid. Like he had, he had a pretty good, like, you know, socially conscious track record, but he was in like third by a bunch of points. There was no Mm. way that he was actually going to win. Um, but you know, leftists did the thing where they were like, Okay, let's throw our salt and our organization behind this horse and hope for the best. Um, and it didn't work, of course. Yeah. You know, they campaigned, they door knocked, they did all that kind of stuff. They were on the airwaves. Like her rallies were massive. Like mm-hmm. I mean, Bong Bong's rallies were massive, of course. Like just insanely so. Like like the rate of support that she got towards the end was just like her Pampanga rally had. I want to say like almost a million people. Like it was mm-hmm. insane. Um, but
2: Bong Bong was doing it, do it the classic thing of paying people also to show up
3: at rallies, right? Yeah, yeah, them yeah. In.
1: Yeah, bussing them in, all that kind of stuff.
3: That's sweet. So you get paid twice? You get paid to go to the rally and vote? Oh, yeah. This is a great system. So you get free food.
1: Dude. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. one
3: over to this, actually.
1: Right. Let's all move <laughs> to the Philippines and get paid. Um, We're going to
2: do it here. Yeah. going yeah. to do corru- that kind of electoral corruption. Do that there. corruption
1: here. That's if the any, kind of corruption we deserve
3: in this country. Honestly. You know what? I think we've
1: earned it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, come on. Um, you know, I voted in this election, and all I got was this shitty QR code. <laughs> yeah. uh, you
2: were telling me that about how there was some plan for how the election was going to go. Like, it was supposed to be, like, run by the teachers or whatever because it's at the schools, and then yes. something changed.
1: So... Ah, actual election day fun. Here we go. Um, it's like the last four minutes of a basketball game. This is how slow we're gonna go. Um, so you have the you have the voting machines, the VCMs, and they're supposed to be, you know, like these be all to end all. They're gonna be anti-corrupt, all this kind of stuff. And everyone votes in schools. So the teachers are the ones who monitor like who kind of run the elections, you know, they they facil- they're facilitators um of the election process. And you have the comelec, they kind of like run underneath the comelec, which is the committee for elections, and like to- they're the ones who are in charge to make sure everything is not corrupt. Um and there's this list of teachers, like basically a roster of teachers that are going to be called to action on the day of elections. And the v- machines are supposed to show up on a certain day, like the 6th or 7th. They're supposed to show up on location, on voting location. And then there's this diagnostic check that was supposed to happen. And it was a two-page, like big, not 8 by 11. What's the next one up? The big size, like the long mm-hmm. size of paper. Yeah, with like a Yeah, 50-item, sub-A, B-item thing um, of things that were the teachers were supposed to... Basically, they're called like sealing the machines, like to make sure all these things work. Like when you turn it on, does this screen show up? When you push this button, does this thing happen? Like make sure all of this stuff is actually working correctly. And then the machines are sealed until election day. And then that morning, again, the teachers go in there and they do the same diagnostic check to make sure that everything's kosher. Well, this roster of teachers was not like finalize, like people were getting kicked off and then more teachers getting put on and teachers who like, cause these teachers are specifically trained to do this beforehand. They volunteer beforehand to do this training, to be like, to, to be able to do this. And then teachers who were trained were on the list and teachers who weren't trained were being put on the list. And it was like really iffy. And they're like, Hey, we're supposed to do this task. The voting machines aren't even showing up on location in time for them to have this diagnostic check. Like, Oh, they're coming, they're coming, they're on the way, like blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Um, and so all of this, like, like, where are the machines? Am I doing this, like, voting thing on this day? Like, what's happening? And then the night before the election, the Kamalek is like, okay, just kidding, the teachers aren't doing it. The, uh, the, the military is going to do the elections. The military and the police are going to do the elections. And Hell it's yeah. like, what? And they aren't trained for it. Like, they, <laughs> they have no idea. And so just you have this massive... They're not
2: massive, in the same way,
1: anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you this massive militarization of, of cities with just like, now the military is there to run these elections. They're there to run the key, like the lines, they're there to do temperature checks for COVID. They're there to like, make sure that people are voting correctly, you know, like, you know, everything is going <laughs> splendid. Um, and that's just like, you know, this is like the, the night before the morning of the elections, right? In Manila, they sent out like 24,000 extra police in the streets, like to make sure that when the, un- when just in preparation for the unrest, right? Cause you know, you don't send out 24,000 police, like thinking that you're going to have a fair election and everything's going to go smoothly. Like, why would you need that? in um, specifically in one of the areas in Mindanao, Cotabato, um, they shut down the borders of the city to guard against what they said with fly-in voters. So people coming in from other cities to vote again. Um, but yeah, you couldn't leave or enter the city on election day but just like the intense militarization of this area. Um, and, you know, full military fatigues, automatic weapons, just posted up um, outside these polling places and, and inside watching you go in to vote. And then, <laughs> and then you have a just massive failure of machinery. Surprise, surprise. The voting machines start to just fucking crash. Um <laughs> which I think that we're all familiar with that happening. Yeah. You know, the screen's not working. Um, you're supposed to, so you, you get your ballot and you're supposed to feed it into the machine and then you like stick your finger in and it like inks your finger. So there was a bunch of people with like, like kind of like ink on their finger to just show mm-hmm. that they voted. Well, these machines stop taking the ballots, right? They, for some reason, like they start, they, the mechanism for them to to suck these ballots in stops working. Yeah. So
4: the police and the military-
1: Right, the police and the military are like, okay, well, just leave them here with us, and we'll feed them in later.
3: Oh uh, sure, uh, yeah, no problem. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: I love, I love, like, we we've got it. We've got the technology to uh, run an election. It's called a printer. <laughs> right. It's it's exactly yeah. that sophisticated and reliable.
1: Yes, so. uh, and like. Of course, people were like, "Fuck no!" Like, you gotta be kidding me. So they're sitting there, and after, and this is after, this is after standing in line for hours in ninety-eight degree heat, hundred percent humidity. Like, it's actually like um, there was no vending, like food vending, to people in lines in some of the places that I saw because I guess it was like not allowed to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Which you could have made a killing if you were selling food to people in line. Um, You know, you're standing out there. There's like no. Right. There's no shade. There's no nothing like that. Like people are out there and especially in, you know, in, in the in the Muslim areas, you know, you're wearing like full hijab and like burqa and stuff like that. Like it's hot. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't care if you grew up like living in that and you're used to it. No, 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 no. You're standing in a line for five hours mm. to vote. And then you get in there and the machine doesn't even take your ballot. And a police officer tells you or a military guy is like, just leave it with us and we'll take care of it. Like if you have the strength and resilience to say, no, I'm going to wait for another machine to show up so I can feed my ballot in like, holy shit. And of course, people aren't able to do that. And there were reports of these ballots being stored in just like unsecure boxes, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, those like legal office, like brown, like boxes and, and, and open totes and shit like that. And then all the
3: stuffle bag.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so you have people waiting extra long because you know they're like, oh, like only one of these machines of the four machines at this location are working. We're waiting on replacements, and those replacements never fucking show up. Mm-hmm. And there's like calls for people online. You know, they're on. They're on. Facebook is the most used uh, social media platform in the Philippines. So there's people all over Facebook that are like, extend the voting hours because you have to vote by a certain hour. And they're like, you extend the voting hours, like you have to let us vote. All this kind of shit. Um, it's just, it's just a massive failure all, on all accounts. Mm -hmm. There's like, you know, from the very beginning, all the way up to the actual act of putting your vote in, it's just completely wrecked. Um, And then they're doing like a live voting. So Maria Reza's Rappler, they were doing like a live, you know, obviously like monitoring the results that were coming in. And these results came in so fast. Like he was the winner by like 11 o'clock at night. Bong Bong and Sarah won by like 11 o'clock at night. Like, like that's
3: military efficiency in counting those ballots. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And
2: they put their best people on counting them all by hand yeah, when the machines the, wouldn't work.
1: The Philippines has like the worst internet in all of Asia. Like the connectivity mm-hmm. is absolute trash. So if <laughs> it you is have like these, America. <laughs> yeah, so you have these you have these voting machines that are like electronic and like electronically feeding the signal into like the vote count. And they're not all working. And yet for some reason, that day at that moment, the, the Philippines internet is just lightning speed. Like T-Mobile five G coverage, right mm-hmm. at that moment in everywhere, and he wins. And you know, if you're gonna steal an election, it, it, you know, put a, give me a little, give me a little show. Like you know, mm-hmm. give me the Rocky fight, like the good guys like losing, or you know, you're losing a little bit, but then oh my god, you come for a comeback, <laughs> right? Like no, homeboy made himself win by like 15 million votes, which is just oh, like yeah. an insane. Like which 59%, also like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. goes like I, some some statistically impossible population count amount. Like he won, like it's, uh, it's, it's called a mandate. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> impossible. Like this number is, uh, there's no way.
4: Yeah. The and Obama especially not means.
1: like that fast. Yeah. Especially not that fast. Like,
4: yeah.
1: and it also is just like a marker of fucking ego and like fascist ego. And also just like rubbing your noses in it and being like, yeah, I'm going to win. And I'm also going to steal it from right under you. And you can't do anything about it.
2: Okay. So uh, Bong Bong wins. Um, and on election night. So he's there on the stage with the, all all the whole family surrounding him. What's her name? Uh, Imelda? Is that the... Uh, That's the Marcos wife. His wife, yeah. Um, you know, happy to be returning to her shoe collection in the palace or whatever. His sisters, again, they're all like senators and shit. And this is in The Guardian. Ivy Marcos, who is a senator, told CNN Philippines that she believed her family now had the opportunity to show what it still can do for the country. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, she said, what's most important to us is of course our name, the family name that has become so controversial, so difficult at times to bear. The legacy of my father is what we hope will be clarified at last. Uh very controversial legacy. Um, this is grim stuff. Ime Marcos told media that Imelda's health, this is Imelda um uh Bongwang's mother, uh, Imelda's health had improved rapidly following her son's election victory. Quote, she's suddenly able to hear, walk, and her ailments, all her ailments suddenly went away. She's suddenly agile. She looks 29 years old, not 92. Oh, God.
4: (laughs) Oh. Uh,
2: Imelda, who has previously said it was her son's destiny to become president, was granted bail to appeal corruption charges due to her old age and health. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, That's how they're feeling. Um, you know.
1: <laughs> well, in one of like the uh Canada interviews too, Bong Bong is like, you know, my father, he would always tell me and he would say, Look, everything you have, you wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the people. Like, always remember that. Like, everything you have is because of the people. Uh, it's like yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yes, the people you stole it from. Yes. <laughs> I
1: mean,
0: yeah. It's strictly exactly not deal. wrong. Yeah.
1: yeah. So depressing. <laughs>
3: So are the Libs saying wait for the day two tally or are they saying respect the process? What's what's their approach to losing?
1: Lenny has not, <laughs> as far as I've heard, has not officially conceded. Uh. But there was a mass text message. And stop me if you heard this before. There's a mass text text message that went out allegedly from the Lenny camp uh, the day after. There was a big rally that like went, There there's like a march and people like, they, you know, they're all wearing pink. And they went to this like big like. Stadium or theater downtown in Manila, and where she like gave a speech, and she didn't officially concede in the speech, but during that, like a text message went out, like a mass text to people who had like subscribed to her campaign. I don't know, and it was like, it was like, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. It's up to you <laughs> now. These Getting are the triggered. six. Yeah, these are the six <laughs> points that we're gonna focus on. You know, like Lenny might not have gotten the presidency, but you know, this is what we're going to do to continue on this fight and it's not over. And just like mm-hmm. I <laughs> on hearing that, I was literally I was just sick to my stomach. I was like, oh, <sighs> God, this so, is it.
3: <laughs> so do you think that uh, uh, Bong Bong Marcos is going to carry out like do 12 straight years as president? Or do you think him and Sarah Duterte will just trade off presidency till eternity? Since uh, yeah, th- that's clearly where this is going,
1: right? right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're they're never leaving office ever. Like, this is congratulations, <laughs> to the Philippines. You never have to vote ever again. You did it. Like, there you go.
3: Oh, that sucks, man. You don't get that fifty bucks anymore.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. This is so, like the the most obscene, absurd, like compilation scenario that you could possibly have.
4: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And I mean, and I think it shows the sort of like that in most countries democracy is a facade and mm-hmm. yeah. you know and i mean it, like i imagine a lot of people just gave their ballot to the military just like who gives a shit like what, what does yeah. it fucking matter anyways like but <laughs> well, like
2: Whatever. there were i i've seen video of like lines to vote that are like you can't see the end of you know like yeah. so people mm-hmm. like did come out it makes you feel sick like well, like you're saying like democracy is a sham everywhere in the world it certainly is in this country but like it's so the way elections are stolen in this country and the way the process is just bullshit is it has so many layers of complicated bullshit and norms and things like it's not as blatant as this so you know maybe sometimes that either you can can't blame people for thinking like yeah this is the thing to do or yourself and you go like hey maybe there's an opening because you got to feel sick for like all the people who thought like god damn this is the thing we got to do we can't let these people come back we have to do something. There's, there's some, some chance for something we can believe in. We all got to go out and do this and just having it thrown in their fucking face. Like it better to stay home. Mm -hmm. Like better when it's just like, like the military, you're just handing your ballot to the military better to just not bother, you know?
1: Yeah. So the the disillusionment and the nihilism is going to be something that's like really going to have to like, I mean the leftists over there have been dealing with it. Like, forever you know <laughs> but now you, i mean it's it's kind of like that thing well okay well maybe will now the the center leftists like the dis, the really disappointed libs and like the youth movement like are they going to kind of be pushed more radical because of this you know like what's going to happen the youth movement over there is extremely strong and ex, like they got fresh legs on the ice like they're out there mm-hmm. they're you know you have <laughs> you got the you got the old timers that have been there for a while and i could only i could only imagine what it's like to be like, I'm a Filipino American. I have no, but I have like no sense of perspective on what it would possibly be like to like see Marcos get ousted, see Duterte get elected and then see their offspring get elected and just be like, like, how do you, how do you get out of bed and put your hat on and go out the door every day? Like I just, the resilience Mm -hmm. of the Filipino people is mind boggling. And their history is is segmented out into like like specific conflicts over time, but they have been fighting every day. They have been fighting since since the first foreigners set foot on their sand. Like they have been at war. The country's been at civil war for decades. Like it it hasn't stopped. And there's this really like <laughs> you know, and I yeah. I think that a lot of leftists also do this, but there's this very Filipino thing where you just, you have to laugh because if you don't, you will cry. And you'll be like, you know, like, oh, I, I you know, like I might get murdered out here, but hey, it'll be fine. It'll be, it's, it's fine, whatever. Like we have to just keep laughing and keep going because otherwise the alternative is just unfathomable. Hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Maybe that's a good point to end on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, in true mechanical freak fashion. Yeah, yeah. yeah the uh,
1: anniversary, actually, if I'm not the anniversary of um, the two labor organizers who were assassinated downtown is actually on the first. I not think this episode. Downtown happened. Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there were two very prominent. I mean, there was a big labor, Filipino labor movement here in the in the United States. Anti Marcos. Um, and, uh, for labor specifically in Seattle for the dock workers and the cannery workers, because there's a lot of Filipino people that were working under really terrible conditions during the seventies, um, and the eighties. And there were two, uh, two very prominent figures, uh, Jean Viernes and Silma Domingo. And, um, one of them went over to the, the Philippines to go help with labor organizing over there. And the CIA informed that, uh, the Marcos dictatorship that, they were going over there to give money to the NPA, the National People's Army. Um, and so upon this organizer's return, uh, Marcos got in contact with one of his cronies here, Tony Berusso, uh, who was like a, a union-busting, like just corrupt uh, mob boss doc owner guy. Um, and he got his goons to assassinate these two people downtown in Pioneer Square in like broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, and luck, one of them died, um, on site. And then the other one claw- crawled his way out to the street and was had just enough life to name his killers before mm-hmm. getting taken to the hospital and then dying. Yeah. So, um, and they knew the CIA knew that that was going to happen. They helped it happen. And yeah. because they didn't like, obviously the sur- resurgence and, and upsurge and, um, leftist thought and labor organizing, Specifically in the United States, hell no. So they're like, oh, why don't we just uh why don't we just take care of these guys? Why we'll don't somebody else take care of these guys? So that anniversary is um on June first.
2: Right. And so there's gonna yeah. be an event, right, down there?
1: Two thirteen South Main Street, South Seattle. Yeah. At seven PM.
2: We'll try to link to um uh information for this vigil yeah. for these two murdered uh, Filipino labor organizers. Um,
1: buy-in is, is, uh, the one who's putting it on the vigil. One of the Filipino, uh, groups here in Seattle. Yeah. So there's, there's quite a number of them, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Okay. So we will, we'll link to that. Um, Marina, thank you so much for coming on, telling us this, uh, <laughs> awful story oh, of yeah. a place, uh, you know, abused by America and its own rich people. And, um, yeah, I wish there was better news, but thank you again. Um and uh yeah, we'll we'll have you back uh no doubt sometime in the future.
1: Uh yeah, thank you so, so much. much. Thank thanks you so for much. helping put the the Filipino story out in the airwaves. Much appreciated and the solidarity. So
3: of course, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank also, you. Yeah, and also uh, we like to thank uh, uh, we got a new patron, guys. So Wee! again, you get to be at the end of a kind of depressing episode. So congrats, Zach! Uh, you're at the end of a depressing episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, since probably nobody finished our episode last week, I mean, we'll throw your name back out there again.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. So I think we said that we it would be uh, we'd do a funny one and put them at the end of it, but nope.
4: Here you no, go. I mean, <laughs> you guys
0: explicitly said to not listen
4: <laughs> to that one. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um.
4: Yeah, time's okay. fun. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, okay. Thanks, everybody. Um, thanks, Marina. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, thanks,
1: y'all.
0: Bye.